good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be. This is the Tailgate Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me as always is Sergio de Esperia. And today we're going to be talking about Alabama's coordinator hires, expansion, question mark, and then the Pac-12 is struggling to get a media rights deal. What's happening there? And then, of course, we're going to look ahead to ESPN's way too early 2023 playoff prediction. Let's dive into it, Sergio. Up first, Alabama, which we talked about when when we recorded last week, they were on the market for both coordinators. They needed a full house of employees, if you will, and they got Kevin Steele um, to be their defensive coordinator and Notre Dame's Tommy Reese to be their offensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on each hire? Tuscaloosa looking like a job fair. Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, I I like the... So my gut reaction was the story here wasn't necessarily the fact that Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele are now the Alabama coordinators. I think the story here is that it took so long for Alabama to get these coordinators, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of rumors that um, the Washington offensive coordinator, whose name is escaping me right now, but he turned down the job. Yep. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And then there was rumors that they wanted Dan Mullen to come in, which I think Mullen as a coordinator where he can just call plays and run an offense is just chef's kiss. Incredible. I think that's where he would thrive. You know, I think his, I think his his best roles, NFL offensive coordinator, I really believe with the way that the NFL is playing their football right now, he's one of the best offensive minds and play callers in football. Who's just not working right now. So that would have been a good hire, um, good hire for them in terms of on the field product. But that's really for me, the the biggest story Um, in terms of the hires, I like the Tommy Reese hire specifically a lot. If you look at what Tommy Reese did at Notre Dame, um, he was able to really, he's he's a guy who's able to maximize the talent of the players he has around him, which is a very good quality to have in a play caller and in a coordinator Um, with Bryce young leaving that offense goes from depending on the quarterback's arm to um, kind of depending. Now I want to say depending on the quarterback's legs with um, the young guy that they have the freshman, he played a little bit, Last season when Bryce was hurt, his name is escaping me. Jalen Monroe, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. He's a bit more of a a bit – he reminds me of like Jalen Hurts, or I feel like the offense is going to be looking like Jalen Hurts did when Lane Kiffin was there. Um, A lot more quarterback design runs. I mean, we'll see if he can get better at throwing the ball, but when when, when he came in both in design packages and then in relief of Bryce Young for injury, he looked um, – it looked like his passing game wasn't as strong as his uh, kind of read option looking game. Mm-hmm. He's a five-star out of Katy, Texas, so, like, you know that he's able to run that kind of spread offense. So I'm very interested to see how Tommy Reese adapts to his strengths and also if the Alabama wide receiver situation gets figured out. Because last year, I think what one of the things that made what Bryce Young did so impressive was the fact that they didn't have the wide receivers that they had in years past. They didn't have a Jalen Waddle. They didn't have a Jerry Judy. They didn't have a Devontae Smith. They didn't have those types of guys. Um, And they kind of had a rotating room of, okay, well, now you're going to get the number one shot. Oh, you kind of can't do it. Let's give it to the next guy. Um, So I'm interested to see how the wide receiver situation works out. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm not as worried, mostly because that's Saban's side of the ball. There were rumors that they were trying to land Jeremy Pruitt again, um, but I don't know how feasible that was going to be because if people forget, the reason that he's no longer Tennessee's coach, at least on paper, is because of allegations of paying players and the whole money in the McDonald's bags. And we all had a good laugh about it, but 
obviously the SEC is not going to want to bring someone in at such a high profile position like the defensive coordinator at Alabama mm-hmm. without clearing up at the very least those kind of allegations. So um, the Kevin Steele grab is, I think, fine. I think it's good. Uh, defense was not the problem at Miami last year. Um, it was offense. It was, I mean, it was a whole talent thing overall. Um, as Mario tries to rebuild that program, we talked about Miami a couple weeks ago extensively, so I'm not going to dive too into that. But I think with the players that Alabama has, you know, anyone would would be kind of silly to to not go and coordinate that defense. You know, I, I want to ask you a quick question about it before we move on, Borba. Yep. Do you think that this kind of signals with, with the fact that there are a lot of coordinators and coaches that decided not to take the job there are a lot of like kind of people that passed it over do you think that kind of the shine of the Alabama coordinator position is kind of wearing off because before it was kind of people trying to rehabilitate their image you know we made the jokes about the Saban Rehabilitation Center all that kind of stuff do you think the shine's wearing off um and we may have talked about this a little bit last week but I think now that we have the official names and it's not like a I would say Tommy Reese is a home run hire but Kevin Steele at least, at least is just kind of a, okay, whatever. Um, it works, but you know, it's not a crazy situation. That program kind of operates by itself now. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the shine's wearing off or, or I think the shine, uh, how much concern do you have? You know, I don't have a lot of concern. I think the shine's available elsewhere in a way. Like I think to get um, high status in college football, a lot of these coaches would go to Alabama, find success, Texas is a coach from Alabama. Maryland's coaches from Alabama. There's a lot of coaches out there that are from Alabama or were in the coordinator ranks, Alabama. And I think now we're starting to see college football dip into not only certain coaches coaching tree. Um, a lot of the, the air raid or air raid adjacent guys like Lincoln Riley's tree or whatever it may be, they're good, dipping into certain trees. And I think as a holistic approach, college football is just looking at other programs and what they're doing. Well, um, Stanford, for example, they hired Wisconsin's uh, defense, they got their defensive coordinator from Wisconsin. Is Wisconsin renowned for being one of the best college football teams ever? No. But are they renowned for having a really good defense all the time? Yes. And so I think people are able to find these jobs elsewhere. And I think Alabama's a lot of pressure right now. And I think whether people want to admit it or not, they haven't been having as much success. And so as soon as, say, the offense doesn't have success, they're not going to blame Saban. It's going to be if Sergio's coaching offense and they're not averaging 40 a game, it's Sergio's fault. It doesn't matter if their quarterback can't throw past 10 yards. They they need Sergio to scheme up some plays for him. And so I think the yeah. Tommy Reese hiring, to me, just kind of shows, and this is kind of a narrative that's been building, I think Nick Saban's going back to that physicality style of play where they run the ball a lot. Um, Alabama ranked in the 80s for the rushing attack last year, which is unheard of. Um, Notre Dame was in the, the low 20s. I think they were 21st or something. So I think Alabama wants to reinsert the run while also using the pass to complement it. I think past Alabama teams kind of just threw the ball when they needed to and would just hand it to their seven NFL running backs because why not? You have Derrick Henry and whoever, Josh Jacobs, whoever it may be like back there, why not use them? I think it gives them the chance to, because college football shifted to where everybody needs to air it out to now Georgia just won two championships back to back with a very limited quarterback. And so if you have a strong running game and a good defense, you can win again. I don't want to say again, but like it's, yeah. it seems more possible. No, I get that. And that makes perfect sense. It's, it's one of those, there's more opportunities now to be seen, you know, mm-hmm. and there's also more opportunities to land better players because of NIL, you right. know, there's more opportunities to get those players you need. And to your point about those coordinator positions, you're right. Those jobs at Alabama, none of the credit, all the blame. Yeah. So why would, why would you put yourself branding wise in as, as a coach to, if you want to move up to the next 
to become a head coach and then eventually become a head coach at one of the top leagues to get you that generational money. Why would you put yourself in a situation to fail in that way? So I get that. I get yeah. that. And a lot of the coaches that Alabama coordinators usually get is like guys that are fired on their last whim. And it's like, do you really want to put yourself in that much of a pressure cooker situation? I personally, I don't know. It's, it's hit or miss. You have to have confidence in yourself and you have to have confidence in the roster and offensive coordinator wise. I don't know if I trust this quarterback situation at Bama. Obviously they have a bunch of four and five stars wandering around the campus, but you got to see who could actually play and when it matters on Saturdays. Um, moving on, speaking of Saturdays, Sergio, the Pac-12 Saturdays might look a lot different in the next coming years. Um, SMU and San Diego State are rumored and kind of considered to be the two in waiting, the next up for the Pac-12 expansion case. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think it helps the Pac-12? And do you, do you like the moves in general? Um... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about these reports, right? There's nothing confirmed yet, but you know, we're, we're working off of some reports and, and speculation and stuff like that. I, I think it's a good idea for the PAC 12 to try to bring in a couple more teams after USC and UCLA leave. Hmm. Um, but, and I like, I, I get the idea, right? You lock down like the Texas Dallas type area with SMU. Um, you see what TCU just did in this past season. So you can see the potential for a similar size school in a similar area. Um, granted, TCU has been in the been a, in a power five conference for a lot longer, um, but it would be interesting. I, I think on the SMU side, this is kind of crazy, especially when you think 20 years ago, just how bad this program was um, and not just on the field, but just like everything was rough. They, they really took a long time to recover from the, um, the death penalty. took a long time to recover from the, Pony Express days, the death penalty stuff. And ironically, it was uh, it was Sonny Dykes, who was the coach that kind of brought them back to relevance and back to prominence. So it's one of those things of, Weird. man, Sonny Dykes really. He failed at Cal yeah. Sunday, succeeded at SMU, and now he's at TCU living life. <laughs> Literally. Literally. I don't even think he failed at California. I just think it was it was just didn't work. Out. He wasn't set up for success. You know, yeah, yeah it didn't work out. Um, the San Diego state part, I kind of get, it makes a bit more sense. You're trying to lock down the similar area, right? San Diego and LA are relatively close to each other. Um, that's Southern California type market. It's Mm -hmm. not LA, but it's also, um, still in the area and still relative. The Padres are, if you follow baseball, get ready to watch the Padres a lot this year because do they have an incredibly stacked lineup in terms of, um, Mm -hmm. hitting power and, and, and star players. So you have a team in that area that's trying to do that. They just built a brand new stadium. So there's a lot of things that are kind of going their way, hmm. but you just can't really compare with losing USC and UCLA, you know, like that's, it's such a big hit that it's not going to be as positive. Um, I loved what the PAC 12 did this season. Obviously I thought, you know, everybody kind of wrote them off for dead, but it turns out that they were actually much better than what people anticipated. Yes. UCLA and USC had great seasons and that's going to look, a lot different in a few years when they're playing in the big 10. But I think it, it it's a move that kind of has to be made. Um, but I kind of would have tried to swing for the fences a bit more, maybe try to go after, um, you know, now that Oklahoma's in the sec, maybe try to go after an Oklahoma state, try to go mm-hmm. after TCU, try to go after, you know, try to kind of hit that big home run. Um, but I also understand those other conferences where they don't want to leave the big 12 with, the addition of those four schools coming in next year. And, you know, it's an exciting time, a lot of eyes on the big 12. So why would you want to do that? Um, and, and we all know there's at least, if not a, 
if not an East Coast bias, there's definitely an East Coast. Um, there's an East Coast comfortability, comfortability, you know, there's a comfort There's an East Coast comfort is the best way to put that. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So people are going to naturally just pay more attention to those schools in the middle of the country rather than all the way out in the West Coast in terms of broadcasting and stuff like that. So yeah. They also still have to. They're also looking for a broadcast deal as well. I think with their yep. their deal coming up next year, or the year after, something like that. So we'll gets, see how it goes. Where it gets dicey because one, you mentioned the Big Twelve schools, and when Texas and Oklahoma left the Big Twelve or announced they were leaving, they haven't left yet. Announced, right? The Big Twelve schools were literally calling the Pac twelve, asking to join, and USC's president was like, "No, we don't want them." Check checkers, not chess. Um, turns out they were sabotaging from within the whole time. Love that for them. Not really, but the Pac-12 did it to themselves. They could have had those Big 12 schools and they didn't take advantage. They could have had a more profitable TV deal, but instead they created a network, which I was employed by, that you have to subscribe to. And most of the games on there are between the not-so-good teams in terms of football-wise. It's your usually your Colorado versus Arizona matchup or whatever it may be. And the Pac-12 is always, they stapled themselves as Pac-12 after dark. And so their big mm-hmm. thing is we play at 1030 on the East Coast. And most of the people on the East Coast do not stay up till 1030 to watch Arizona State take on Oregon State. It's just what it is. And, um, and there's a there's a consequence to that branding, right? Like, yes, it's a great thing that they have the brand Pac-12 after dark. And for those of us, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you're a Pac-12 after dark person. And, you know, at, you know, Borba and I are absolutely Pac-12 after dark people. Well, for Borba, it's just Pac-12. But for me, Pac-12 after dark living in South Florida. Those are those are kind of brands, right? Like the way that you find success in modern business nowadays hmm. is you either find a niche and you exploit that niche to a point where you can make it successful or you're general to a fault, right? General to a fault. Like, for example, you have um, – let's take first take, for example, right? First take is general to a fault. They cover the major stories and by and to a fault, I mean, there's not as much depth to it. They have the conversation, but it's a lot of speculation. And it's a lot of overarching questions that they don't really get answers to. They bring in the flashy people to talk about it. You know what I mean? Whereas if I want to listen to, okay, what is going on with the business side, like this Pac-12 media deal, right? That's something super specific. That'll never be on first take, but it'll have a 4,000 word column about inside the Pac-12's latest um, TV deal conversations article on The Athletic. And every college football fan will go in and read that. So the mistake the Pac-12 did was kind of not really go towards one or the other. They kind of wanted to super generalize and like be general and and to a fault. And they said, oh, we're going to have the Pac-12 network, like the SEC network, this and that. But then instead of partnering with an ESPN or partnering how the Big Ten network partners with Fox to – to have the infrastructure to put that stuff out to people to consume. They wanted to kind of handle it in-house so that they could A, make more money, and B, kind of have more control over what to do. But that comes at a cost. And so now we're seeing that it really wasn't a good bet. It really wasn't a good idea. And you're stuck with (laughs) – you you can't be football – you can't be athletic conference and also TV company. You know what I mean? That You got to – it's, it's just tough. they showed that it's not working. Shout out 363rd Street in San Francisco, though. My first place of employment post-graduation. <laughs> uh, you know, it's tough. They put themselves – I would I would say they pigeonholed themselves, if I'm saying that correctly. They kind of just yeah. put themselves – Pigeonholed, but yes. Yeah, pigeonholed it, held it themselves. Hold. Just p- pigeonhole. They pigeonholed them. 
Yeah. Pigeon held, like holding a pigeon. Is that what you thought it was? No, I, I was saying in past tense, they like pigeon held themselves. Because I know it's pigeon. No, no, it's just pigeon hold. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but either way. This is like this is like us talking about Russell Westbrook as, as a buyout option. They held, just, they held just, the pigeon incorrectly. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Um, <laughs> and now they're they're stuck and between a rock and a hard place because their whole thing was, and this goes into our next segment, which is, of course, they're struggling to find a t- media rights deal, which we both touched on. They are struggling to put together a deal because, one, they waited too long and the Big 12 surpassed them. Um, like Sergio mentioned, which I don't know if he actually knew this, but the Athletic did drop a Pac-12 is struggling to write a media rights deal article today. Oh, oh I just – I haven't checked the pat the Athletic's um, college football section today. I wrote about I've it. been so caught up in NBA trade stuff that I just did not <laughs> no, they, read it. I usually do did. almost every morning. but They did, and I'll, I'll read you the important part because I wrote about it on my site, All Cardinal. Um, three people with knowledge, and this is a quote from, it was a, the whole staff, or not the whole staff, but m- multiple people, so I can't quote a single person. Three okay. people with knowledge of the discussion said Commissioner George Klevikov, whatever you say his last name, is struggling to find Kle- partners. Kleavkov. Kleavkov, thank you. Is struggling right. to find partners willing to pay close to what the league is seeking. Two of those sources said Kleavkov overpromised his members on how many bidders there would be and what dollar amount they could command. A target north of $40 million per school according to one league athletic director, was the target. Today, it's uncertain whether the Pac-12 will even be able to exceed $31.6 million average, or even exceed the $31.6 million average the Big 12 landed with ESPN and Fox. And so they kind of waited too long, and now the moment is gone. And it's like, but we want that much money. And they're like, well, you don't have, because the Pac-12 is going to rely on streaming. And so their whole thing, which I've been writing about, is they want to do media rights first, then expansion, and now the narrative is flipping that they have to expand in order to get more value for themselves in media rights, even if it's streaming related. So weird predicament. Weird situation too, because well, people, some people don't know, but I think most people who listen to this podcast know is that the TV money, right? It's like if, okay, so ESPN signed a billion dollar, I think it was like 10 year, $1 billion um, deal with, uh, ESPN, right, to continue the SEC network and you know all that kind of stuff, and and they they, they bought over the CBS Game of the Week. The like prime time is now going to be on starting. I think in twenty. This is the last season, I believe. So starting in twenty four, this coming season, I should say, is the last season. So starting in twenty four, every single SEC game will be on the ESPN family of networks, right? Um, and ESPN Plus and streaming and all that stuff. But each school gets paid out every single year based on what it was for example i today the sec literally today uh, we're talking on thursday february 9th the sec announced this is their official twitter account um news the sec announces 721.8 million dollars of total revenue was divided among its 14 universities for the fiscal year ending with august 31st 2022 the distribution excluding bowl revenue retained by schools for expenses Average to $49.9 million per school. So the SEC is very clearly the richest conference or the second richest conference in college football, but it's definitely the biggest, the best conference in college football in terms of production and, and product. Yep. So they're getting 50 million. The Big 12 is getting what 31.2, I think you said, with their new deal. And that is including the expansion. That number will go up when the SEC, when um, Oklahoma and Texas move to the SEC because the payouts kind of structure if i'm the if i'm the pac-12 the logic doesn't make sense of getting the tv rights deal and then expanding i think they're kind of getting a reality check where you have to expand 
if you're going to expand, right, to your 12, to get back to 12 teams, not even, you know, get to, not get to, get back to 12 teams. But if you're going to expand, you have to do it now, or at least announce it now, so that way you can have that leveraging power with the negotiations. And that's why a school like SMU makes a lot of sense. Dallas, Texas, you see what happened with TCU just now that shares the same market. Dallas, Fort Worth area, that kind of stuff. Big TV market. Um, they need to be able to do those things. Uh, and also at the same time, who's going to be the bidder, right? Where are they going to go? Um, CBS is going to have an availability, but they announced that they're going to go with the Big Ten, which is a smart decision by them. If you don't have the SEC, the Big Ten is the second best option to have. And then ESPN's all tied up. They have three of the of, they have three of the quote unquote Power Five conferences. They have they actually have deals with all, with four of the five Power Power Five conferences. And then, you know, so what do you turn to? Do you turn to streaming? How much is Apple going to want to give you? How much is YouTube, Google going to want to give you? How much is uh, someone maybe like Hulu, which is owned by the Disney company? Maybe they exclusively break it off to just Hulu. Um, Amazon, they're out there in Silicon Valley. They moved to San Francisco. They moved the headquarters to there for a reason to be with those types of people with that type of tech money. What are you going to do? And so they're kind of in a predicament. It's it's kind of, it's just the Pac-12 just continues to find ways to shoot themselves in the foot and not buy new shoes. You know what I mean? They played a game of chicken and they lost. Like they, they were waiting to see who would stay the longest. Absolutely, who would hold out, and it's like, congrats, you're the last man standing. Here's your prize: a basket of muffins and nothing else. Um, it's just they have to, they kind of have to dig themselves out of the hole they dug themselves. <laughs> like they dug the hole, six feet under, made the 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 headstone, then they jumped in it. Now they have to get out of it because they set themselves up for failure. And here lies the Pac-12. And obviously, I think the Pac-12 will survive because of playoff expansion kind of guaranteeing them a a path it's just not going to be as well it's the it's not gonna be it's the hot dog mean guy we're all trying to find out who did this it was you guys you (laughs) guys put yourself in this situation yeah literally oh look it's the consequences of my own actions you hate to see you hate to see the consequences of your own actions it's terrible um someone who had consequences of his own actions because he dropped a playoff prediction way too early was desmond what a segue what a segue i'm on it today um desmond howard dropped probably the worst playoff um scenario this past season he had baylor pitt texas a&m and then someone else i don't even remember it was just awful not a single team made it i think michigan was on there actually so he got one for four if i remember correctly um but espn had a group of writers drop a 2023 playoff prediction and i want to run a couple of these by you sergio and i'll just go off the teams that are mentioned the most and then the teams that surprised me because i'm not going to read you eight people's playoff predictions um obviously there's some georgia's bama and michigan are in multiple any shocker there i'd say no maybe bama georgia bama michigan um i mean not surprised that's not i i I, there is a world where all three of those teams it's a safe can make it absolutely it's a safe it's a safe pick if you're playing pacing well if you're placing a futures bet on who's going to make the playoff and you don't put money on Georgia or Alabama or Michigan, I mean, you're just, I won't say you're losing out on free money, but those are your best options, I would say. Um, then we kind of get to, we got the Ohio States of the world. Fair. I think they were, I mean, they made it this past year, and they're pretty much a frequent flyer. They're just not a frequent winner. They were they were a missed field goal from beating what we all thought was unequivocally the best college football team of the year. So, right. Yes. And then there's a couple interesting teams. And when I say a couple, there's literally only two USC and uh-huh. 
drum roll please, Washington are the two outlier programs that were mentioned. Everybody else had some version of Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. So thoughts on the Pac-12, who we just talked about digging their own grave, having one member in Washington and one future former member. Well, and I I kind of like it. Um, I can see that. I can see a world where both of those things happen. Mm-hmm. The USC thing, I think, is kind of – I wouldn't call that an outlier. I would say that's kind of to be expected in terms of expectations. I think that that's, that's a, um, a fair expectation to have. They were a game away from making the playoff this past season. Um, they really do need to improve that defense, but, I mean – Alex Gritton just coaching that, so who knows what happens. But I, I like that a lot. What what is, excuse me, what is a little bit of a surprise? But a, I love it, and it's a happy and welcome surprise. Is Washington, um, and I think people are looking at that and going, "Hey, look, this team lost two games last year, back to back, in the middle of the season." Um, yeah. But overall, that was a really good football team last year. Kalen DeBoer did a really good job of coaching that team. Yeah. Michael Penix Jr. stayed healthy the entire year and showed what he could be. Um, they, in my opinion, they have a really, really, really good chance. All those guys are coming back. Coordinator comes back. Penix comes back. They have a lot of returning pieces on both sides of the ball. Yeah, there's absolutely a world where Washington can make the playoff, and it would be a great story. I would love to see that happen in Kalen DeBoer's second year. I think that's a fantastic uh, idea. Now that would require, I don't think the Pac-12 is strong enough where they can get two teams in, so that would require they both Washington beating... Right, beating USC, beating Utah, all those things. But I think it can happen. I think that's going to be the team to watch next year. I feel like a lot of people are going to start picking them. Mm-hmm. And I would get in early if you believe. You know, I would love to know what the line is on uh, what a future looks like on Washington to win the Pac-12. You know, like I, I would feel comfortable tying up some money in my account for the next year or you know, ten months or so to f- see if that happens. That that to me is a is a pretty savvy bet. That's one of those. I feel like people's response to saying, hey, if I tell you right now that Washington's a playoff team, people's response will tell you a lot about what they, how much college football, how much attention they truly pay to college football. Because like you tell you and I, we'll go, oh, wow, that's actually, yeah, that makes sense. Like I didn't think of it, but that makes sense looking to what they had and their returning production, all that kind of stuff. But if someone goes, oh, Washington, no, no, that's not going to happen. Then, you know, "Mm, maybe that person's not watching college football as closely. And that's okay. Casual fans are a very important part of the college football ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be really, really cool to see. And it would be a really cool, like, for those of us that watch everything and consume everything about the sport, the diehards, it would be a really cool thing to see to be like, wow, look at Washington. Hires a good coach, bring in a transfer quarterback with eligibility for multiple years. The coordinator is young and does a good job. I love seeing that. I think that would be a really cool thing to see. You'd love to see it. And both of them have very challenging final stretches final novembers um washington is at usc for usc's homecoming then they play utah and oregon state and then they got the apple cup of course and then usc on the other hand goes washington at oregon versus ucla in the battle of la and so they both will be very much battle tested they will have the resume should they finish business everywhere else who knows about that because that's the part um i think that's the hard part about predicting playoff teams too is one of these teams on this list is going to win like eight games next year um that's just how how it goes um but yeah i think the pac-12 kind of having two teams 
in in the talks is cool, but for the Pac-12 as a conference, they finally need to get over that hump of actually making it to the playoff. Um, Sergio, if you had to place a futures bet on a team to not make the playoff from this list, who would it be? Of not oh, uh, the ones Ohio, we just mentioned. Yeah, all all Ohio State, Georgia, USC, um, Alabama, U- Washington, and Michigan. Um, I'm I'm uh so. I think I think the number one pick would be Washington just because they haven't they haven't done it and and because of their early struggles last year they weren't really in the playoff conversation at the end of the year, um, so the odds would probably be the best in terms of or the the uh, it would be kind of the safest bet. But personally, I would look at what the odds are with Michigan or USC. Hmm. Um, I think because I like Washington so much that that would be a really interesting parlay, right? Washington to make the playoff and USC to not make the playoff. That I think in order for Washington to make the playoff, USC has to miss out. So you're basically just boosting your odds on the Washington making the playoff front mm-hmm. um, and also kind of hedging because if someone like Utah comes out and has another great season or a UCLA takes the next step or or an Oregon State breaks through and has a crazy situation happen to them, you know what I mean? An Oregon, you know, yeah. you never know. But I think USC or Michigan would be the ones – that I would think, and I would be leaning more towards USC just because even if Michigan, Michigan, again, cupcake schedule all through their only real game of the season is Ohio state. And I feel like if they get, it depends on what happens elsewhere in college football, but I, I can, I can foresee a future where um, Michigan loses to Ohio state, but is so dominant in every other game that they can sneak into the playoff again sure um i don't see that happening with the pac-12 so for that reason i think i would take usc out of all those schools to um if i had to place a future i would probably place it on usc to miss and especially with the defense you know and the liability and that's what i was gonna say i place my i place my future on usc i'm not confident alex grinch to overcome his struggles i don't I just don't really see how a one year. We've seen it for like seven, eight years now, both yeah. at Oklahoma and USC. Like the, one it just where it's like, okay, this is for real. Like, were you not? Right. Were the last like six tries not for real? Like, I don't literally. Trust yeah. I don't trust it. But what you should trust is the Tailgater Podcast to bring you your college football entertainment every week. Um, I am your host Kevin Volvo. This is the Podcast Network. He is Sergio Desbrea, and you can see us next week. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Do whatever you got to do to get more people to listen to this, so that way we can bring you more great content. Have a great week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube